Hello, I'm Rebecca, the founder of Trio, and welcome to Pep Talks with Trio. Trio is the leading solution for workplaces to support their people during every life transition, from starting a family to retiring, and every life event in between. On Pep Talks with Trio, we chat to our expert partners for advice on how to best navigate these common, complex, and often messy life stages that happen during our working career. Keep listening as we connect the dots between life and work with the simple aim of education and empowerment. After all, life happens at work. Today on Pep Talks with Trio, we're speaking with Mel Watson. Mel is a wellbeing mentor, speaker and founder of the Zest Collective. She has over 15 years experience in people and culture, both in public and private sector. And we're going to be discussing sabbaticals, career pivots, wellbeing and finding your purpose. Mel, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Beck. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Sure. So as you've mentioned, I'm Mel Watson and I'm a wellbeing mentor by trade. And my work is around coaching women um, with wellbeing issues, but also just to get their zest back um, with the life juggle. Uh, I also do keynotes and about to launch our new wellbeing membership, the Zest Collective. But as you mentioned, I came out of 15 years um, corporate and um, big organization career. Mm -hmm. So my background primarily has been in diversity and inclusion, learning and development, um, recruitment, all of those big silos of people and culture at a very senior level within some of the big brands and um, government departments that you would all know. Amazing. So very people focused. Yes. Um, and like you mentioned, you did have a big role of government. You were head of DNI. Um, what was the catalyst to pivot your career? You took a sabbatical and now you're doing something completely different. Can you tell us how that came about? Sure. So yes, I was head of DNI at uh, a government department called the Department of Regional New South Wales. And it was a new function, so built that from the ground up. And it had been about 12 months since I'd recovered from a period of burnout. So things were going really well, kicking all the goals, but I just started feeling these familiar feelings in my gut. And there was a little niggle in the back of my head that, you know, oh God, I don't want to get burnt out again. And people started to notice as well that my work wasn't suffering, but my energy levels were not what they usually were. And so after a few conversations, obviously with managers and things like that, decided that I would take a period of six months off and just really one, get to the bottom of this. Um, you know, had I not recovered properly, uh, why was this happening when things were going really well? And probably a few weeks in, got the blood test back and it was actually Hashimoto's. So it wasn't me burning out. It was just my thyroid decided to pack it in and there's medication for that. Uh, but the blessing was I was already on sabbatical and that kind of gave me that space to reconsider things that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, it's it, the space thing. We're on a hamster wheel, aren't we? Yeah. Often. And we don't ever really sort of jump off and evaluate ourselves, our lives, where we're going. But before we look at where what you've done and, and, and where you're heading, can we just touch on that burnout? Because burnout is really prevalent at the moment in the market, um, you know, in, in, the, in the society, let's say. 
what but i i often wonder what what does burnout look like what what are the symptoms how would we know that we're burnt out as opposed to just tired um what 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 happened to you and what what did you need to do about it yeah okay so that's a really interesting one because you're right a lot of us unless we've been through it or unless we know someone who's been through it we know about burnout but we don't actually know what it looks like and there are some really common everyone has their own symptoms it's like everything else but there are some really common ones that most people experience in the lead up which are fatigue so that's a really hard one because we're quite often tired when we're not burnt out, but fatigue and lingering, ongoing fatigue, where it's not necessarily that you've been really busy or that you're, um, you know, you've had a bad sleep. It's just this constant feeling of just not having energy. Mm. Um, the second one is cynicism, which a lot of people don't realize. You just start feeling just oh that'd be right like you're not seeing the best in things you've got quite of a cynical attitude whether it be towards you know, your work or you know oh yeah that colleague's always late or oh why would I bother doing this they they um they don't look at the report properly anyway that just that kind of internal monologue where you're noticing that your self-talk is quite cynical mm. um a glass and, half full outlook yeah. as opposed to a sorry glass half empty outlook as opposed to the glass half full yeah and even if you're not a particularly upbeat positive person generally it's that it's it's not just feeling down it's that really suspicious cynical internal talk um, the third one is generally physical symptoms. So once you're starting to get physical symptoms, it's because you're tired and you're you're getting down the end of the funnel. And that's, you know, headaches, um, feeling unwell, not just feeling tired, but feeling physically not quite right. Um, what else? Just just that really physical, almost like you might start feeling like you're getting a lot of colds or you you never quite recovering from that sniffle you had a couple of weeks ago um you'll just physically not feel well not necessarily sick but just not well mm-hmm. uh, and then once you've kind of got to the end of that when you when you're actually in the depths of burnout you will know and you want to you want to kind of take steps before that because when you're in the depths of burnout you literally can't get it out of bed um, brain fog is huge. The inability to make decisions, just simple decisions, because your mind and your body are just so fatigued that they can't even you can't even make a decision on whether you want toast or cereal for breakfast in the morning. That's kind of one of the very defining things that my GP taught me when he said you're burnt out is the decision fatigue is like one of the very defining things that someone who's a high achiever makes big decisions every day of their life can't decide what drink they want so is it like you're when you sort of talk about brain fog um like you know what you need to say but you can't get the words out or you're in a conversation then suddenly it's gone (laughs) yeah exactly that it's it's like you you're forgetful when you haven't been forgetful before. Uh, you, you'll just start feeling like, am I losing my mind? Like, mm. I I never forget things and I completely forgot to turn up to that meeting. Or um, like I said, I, I, 
I know I want to say something in this meeting and I have an opinion on this, but I can't articulate the words. Words. Yeah. 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 So that's sort of brain fog. But also just as I said, when it gets really bad to the point that you're a decisive person and you actually can't make a decision without help on very basic elements Mm. of your day to day, that's a huge warning sign. Mm. Um, If you're finding that you're really decision fatigued, that's a huge warning sign. Okay. And, you know, burnout can obviously land you up in bed. What's the, you know, if we're trying to catch people before we get to there, and I mean, at the moment, it's obviously a really challenging time for most people. Most people don't want to risk putting their hand up saying, look, I'm not feeling great. I'm, you know, I think I'm burnt out. I need to take some time off because, you know, the economy and and everything else is so challenging Mm -hmm. at the moment. What are the, what, and I guess this leads, does lead into a bit about what you do, but what would your advice be for somebody who's there and who really does need to start taking steps before they're actually, and it obviously if you need to take time off work, take time off work. Yeah, yeah. But what can, what can we do before we get there? Yeah, so, and, and also just pointing out that taking time off work in the early stages isn't necessarily the most helpful thing yeah. uh, because then, you're stuck at home feeling guilty um, about not being at work, which isn't helpful. The first thing I would say to anyone that's starting to feel feelings of fatigue, overwhelm, um, and they're just not their self, and they think they might be burning out, is to make an appointment with your GP, even if it's at the stage where you think it's completely manageable, just having some advice from your GP who knows you and can talk to you about it is really, really helpful and they can point you to some resources for your individual requirements. For instance, if you're feeling depressed with your burnout, they can refer you to Beyond Blue or get you some counselling. If you're not, but you're having trouble with sleep, which is a massive issue with burnout, they can help you with that as well. So it's not a one-size-fixes-all, and seeing your GP is so, so important. Stuff that you can do for yourself First and foremost, pick yourself a weekend or a day or somewhere where you can have a rest before you tackle any of the other tips because you need to recognise that if you're in burnout, you're probably a doer and the first thing you want to do is do something to fix it. But what your body actually needs is for you to spend, even if it's just a few hours, spend some downtime And that doesn't mean in bed, like you could go and read a book, you could go and do some gardening, something that you like to do, but that isn't focused on fixing to give your brain a little break. That's the very first thing. And then the next thing you can do from there is look at your boundaries. So um, have a look at, you know, how much time am I spending at work? Is this an expectation I'm placing on myself or have the boundaries kind of um, dissolved and I'm not actually having any downtime where I'm not thinking about work. So boundaries are really, really important. And then when you're setting your boundaries, how can I set some time in a really sustainable way? Understanding we're all busy. How can I set that time where I have time for myself and my self-care at least once a week? Now it can be 10 minutes a week, but if you're not doing something that you love doing once a week, then 
your brain is not getting what it needs. It's not getting any balance and it doesn't balance doesn't have to look um, completely even. It's not about having 50% work and 50% what I love, but balance means that sometimes there's more on one side, sometimes there's more on the other side, but there's always something on both sides, right? You've got yeah. to have something in your life that you really truly love doing that is not for your family. It's not going to the theme parks with your kids. If like if you love that, great, but something that you love just for you, um, there always has to be a bit of that. And that's that would be my advice. Boundaries, setting time out for yourself and seeing your GP. Yeah, amazing. Do you think that, you know, burnout has become much more prevalent because we are working from home and that blend, like when you talk about boundaries, that that the, it's blended, you know, we it's yeah. as easy to hold the boundaries. And when work is happening and there's so much to do and you, you know, you need to get through it all and we're under-resourced and we're worried about our jobs and we're worried about lots of other things, holding those boundaries are actually really hard. Really hard. Yeah. So there's a few things and I'll give you the link to this, but um, there's a really excellent podcast episode where Norman Swan talks about burnout um, that I encourage people to listen to. Burnout happens when you have not just a really busy on your plate, um, whether it's life or work, burnout happens when you don't have enough control either. So there's also an element of feeling like all of this stuff is happening that I have no control over. I've got no control over the interest rates and the economy. I've got no control over the unemployment rate going up. I've got no control over all of these things and I'm just in the middle trying to make it work. Um, and that sense of no control will have been yeah. sustained now for everyone globally yeah. for over yes. three years. Yeah. So, so it's surprising that this is escalating. Absolutely. So we throw in there a world pandemic <laughs> where people have to work from home. So mm. they're not quite sure where the start time and finish time is. Then we throw in that, and I'm not saying working from home is bad. It's actually brilliant for a lot of people, but throw on top of that. Yeah, homeschooling your kids kids while you're trying to work from home and you can't leave your house. Like that's the ultimate loss of control in a matter of weeks. People didn't have control over their lives and we still haven't recovered from that. But you're exactly right. Then now our legacy is that we've been working at all hours to work around those things. And it's really, really hard to set those boundaries back in place. We like, you know what? It's five o'clock. At five o'clock, I set, I close my laptop, I go and have a shower and I go and do something else. Like, it's hard because you're not leaving or going anywhere and you, you've gotten used to kind of piecing things in wherever they go. Yeah, and picking up the laptop at the end of the night and start, you know, looking at your screen and getting all of that going on before you're going to sleep and then you're not having any quality sleep. Um, Okay, they were amazing tips. So thank you. So fast forward, you felt those symptoms (laughs) or signs coming back. Yeah. Actually, your blood test um, came out that it was Hashimoto's, which is a treatable but non-curable autoimmune disease. And so you're on sabbatical and how did 
how did things evolve? Because it would have been so much easier to go back into that really nice big job <laughs> that you obviously loved and had worked really hard to, you know, from a career perspective to get there. So what 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 was going on for you during that sabbatical where you tried, decided to pivot completely? Yeah, so just one, having that space, right, to really critically evaluate how happy I was and and, you know, if I go back there, what's what's the next 12 months what's the next two years like it would have been very easy to go back but what's what's next right so there was that there was also just um happy circumstances that I cannot do nothing for very long and I could there, there was only so much stuff I could do with my own family and 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 so on so I started a blog which was just for me to keep up my writing skills and I was writing um, about you know burnout and staying organized and ADHD because I've got ADHD and just a bunch of stuff but the every month I'd do a sabbatical update like this is what I've learned this month and I remember it was about the second or third month and I nearly wrote I have learned that I am not my job like I've literally learned that I'm this person with interests that are not just diversity and inclusion and not just being really great at what I do. Yeah. And that was kind of a wake up call. I was like, okay, that's kind of scary in a way that it took taking months off your job for you to realize how much of your identity is tied up in that. And also when I looked at what's the next two or three years, it was exciting, but it was exciting for someone else to pick up and move forward with. I'd done what I felt. I was really, really proud of what I'd achieved, but I just felt like there was something new and different. And if I didn't do it now, if I went back, I was scared that I would go back and I would never leave. Yeah. Well, it's very easy, isn't it, to to fall back into the security. And I don't blame anyone for taking that route at all. <laughs> um, so how did it evolve? You know, you realised my identity has been, as it is for many of us, wrapped up in our jobs and our careers and the titles mm-hmm. and the trajectory, upward trajectory that we're all on, um, or many, you know, are sort of striving. Um and suddenly you're going to give away, give up all of that. And what was your, did you have a vision when you when you just made that decision? Or did you go, I know it's not that, and I'm prepared to give that up whilst I find out what it is? Uh, it was a bit of both. I think I'd made the decision in my mind that I didn't want to go back quite a bit earlier than I actually resigned. Uh, so in my brain, I wasn't going back, but I wasn't going to resign until I knew what I was doing. And I thought I've been having these conversations about burnout forever, right? I was a people manager um, in my formal role. So I had predominantly women working in a situation we were just talking about. Several staff members went through burnout. I'd been through burnout. I was now looking around and a lot of the really capable women I knew were going through burnout and I either were going through it or looked like they were getting close. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, this is what I need to do. I can help these women. I've been there, but not only have I been, I know a lot of the health and wellbeing experts yeah. that I can pull in. 
um, and create something where it's accessible and it's not um, it's not a logistical nightmare to get yourself to go and see somebody where you can get information. So that that was literally the idea. Um, I didn't know much more than that. And then I decided that I'd put self-care boxes with it, with small Australian businesses to help that person stop for five minutes when they got their box. Which are beautiful, by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Highly recommend people looking for that. It just kind of evolved from there. It was just this idea that women should be able to get access to well-being as easily as they get access to Uber Eats. Yeah. Love that concept. And how, you know, I think there it, it does seem to be a lot of women. I'm sure it's not just women, but the women seem to suffer with this because of the juggle and we're sort of taught that you can do it all and you should be able to do it all. Um, but it's it's definitely Im- imploding. And, you know, I love what you're talking about, you know, giving access, making sure everything that they need is accessible. And then we can start changing the narrative around this the stigma around you know we need to be able to do it all and Mm. you know sort of push 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 um you know be able to pause and then receive and reevaluate it's all just it's gold and it's it's magic it's what life is about isn't it but where you do get on that treadmill so where where are you now like what are you what how what are you offering and what what are you seeing you know the outcomes and where are you you know where are you taking this so the outcomes have been really exciting actually so our first member the first brand was called what Melly did next because that was the name of the blog and it just kind of rolled and um, we had the little well-being membership where we got the guests in and they got the self-care box and that went really really well we're at month seven now but the feedback was they needed more they needed more live access um, coaching so we've actually split the brands and we're about to relaunch the membership as the zest collective which will have different tiers as well so to suit different women's needs different women's budgets so there'll be a tier where you can just get the digital access and there'll be a tier where you get the self-care kits you get the um q a sessions and the fortnightly coaching and everything that goes with it so the concept hasn't changed a lot but we've just tweaked it to make it accessible to more women and to provide more of that um, coaching support which looks like helping you plan, plan, helping you with your boundary setting, helping you negotiate when things aren't going well, what can be tweaked, um, because it's a, it's, you know, different for everybody. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing that. Um, I do a bit of one-on-one wellbeing coaching and a bit of speaking as well. And um, the first brand, what Melly did next is a lovely gift store that just you can buy the lovely things one-offs out of the box if there's something you really really enjoyed and with the coaching you know I think similar to what we sort of look to do with tree you don't know what you don't know right yes and you don't know where to go you don't know what's normal what's not so having I can see the value in having somebody that's sort of in your corner that's guiding you through this period because they are periods and they are phases and I guess for me I always think the sooner you get support the sooner you're out of the woods 
you know yeah. like the, the quicker you can move through something rather than trying to sort of figure it out yourself and it's great to hear you have different levels of accessibility um but I think this stuff it's really important that we talk about um because for whatever reason it is becoming far more prevalent and we can't just have women in particular it's, it's your that's your market falling over because we don't we don't know how to re replace yeah. those boundaries we don't know how to ask for support all of those things it's it seems so basic but sometimes you do need somebody to go this this is what you need to do yeah and and the other thing is community as well right like women yeah. are all people we're all tribal we're all community minded but women in particular have a very special type of relationship with each other and I think through the last few years that's been really really strained so part of um, what I do in the Zest Collective as well is you don't just get coaching you get a community you get a community of women who are going through stuff like you who are like in in the group we've got now pre-launch just jump in and I oh, I had this really bad day and I, I needed to, I, I feel like I need to go on a retreat. Has anyone gone on a retreat? And six people will say, oh, I went here with my daughter or it's just, it's not me telling you what to do all the time. There's this beautiful community ready to jump in and hold space for you in between those coaching sessions, which I think is really, really important. Whether you do it formally or not, you've got to have community. Yeah. And that is really something that we probably have never put as that much emphasis on when we were in the workplace, mm. but that work family that, you know, you could just, you know, have a coffee, go for lunch, chat, you know, little chats around the water cooler, whatever it was, you're having those little moments of connection and working from home is amazing. And it's amazing for, particularly for women, particularly who are parents for all of those obvious reasons, but actually, perhaps what we've realized is we are now missing. There was some value, you know, so there's pros and cons with everything, you know, but there was some value in actually going into the workplace and having those moments of connection because we are humans and we say it ourselves, you know, we innately driven to connect. Um, so without, you know, although the work from home is amazing, but it comes at a cost. Absolutely. Going to work is has all of those benefits as well, and it comes at another cost. So everything is a is a juggle yeah and it's it's like I said earlier everything is a balance yeah balancing act they're never a hundred percent in sync you're never a level balance of 50 50 but yeah. you've got to make sure there's a bit of both sides in it all, all the time and that applies to work too mm. if you're going to be working from home you've got to also make sure that you've got connection in there as well yeah. um, and if you're working from the office and have heaps of connection you've also got to have make sure you've got your time to be productive and do things you want to do. So it's when people talk about work-life balance and they say work-life balance doesn't exist, it exists. It's just not an even scale. Yeah. You've just got to make sure you've got one one of each bit in the mix at any given time and community is such a huge one. Yeah, especially when even if you're working for a massive company or a tiny company, when you're at home and you've just got a screen in front of you, often you might not even open the front door until the end of the day. You, It, it doesn't matter if you're in a big company because at that moment in time, you are completely isolated. So having somewhere where you can connect in, even if it's outside. And do you think having those 
that community that does actually sit outside work creates a safer space. Yes. Mm. I think what you'll see in a lot of Facebook groups around nowadays is, uh, is there's the anonymous posting. Um, and I think there's just that level of safety, not 99.9% of people aren't in there bagging out their boss or doing anything unprofessional, but being able to be vulnerable in a space where it's not someone you're going to see at a meeting on Zoom the next morning, um, I think is very, very valuable. And I think people are starting to realise that uh, a lot more now. Yeah. Beautiful. Mel, thank you so much. There is absolutely so much power in connection and community. I love the work you're doing. It's clearly super needed. And when you're talking through your burnout, I'm like, oh, goodness, I could probably tick all of those boxes. So I'm going to take take some of your tips and uh, find some joy this weekend um but thank you for sharing so openly it's been beautiful hearing your journey and best of luck with the next chapter thank you for having me thanks so much and best of luck with everything trio does huge fan thank you thank you for listening to find out more about how trio can support your people visit trio.com 